Welcome to Optivate, a podcast for mobile marketers brought to you by Remerge. Take a short break from your screen and listen to what's working in mobile marketing and what's not, straight from the people who are doing it now. Are you ready? Let's get started. Everyone, you are tuned in to yet another episode of the Aptivate podcast brought to you by Remerge. Today, I am your host, Tommy. And today I have a guest that I am super, super excited to have a conversation with. I met this gentleman at MAU, Mobile Apps Unlocked, which I tend to believe is probably the best conference in the U.S. right now. It's absolutely fantastic. This year was a blast. But I met this person there and we started talking about incrementality measurement, media mix modeling, topics that I've always been super fascinated with. And lo and behold, his company focuses on this exact topic and provides a unique solution for measuring incrementality or media lift or however you want to think about it. He's awesome. And the company I think is doing fantastic work and work that I think has been a long time coming. So I'm really excited to get some insights from him. So without further ado, today's guest is Brian Krebs, who is the CEO at Metricworks. Brian, what is up? Awesome. Hey, really appreciate it, Tommy. How's life? It's great. It's great. It's been a whirlwind since MAU, obviously at MAU as well. That's just a complete insane time. And then you get home and it's just sort of nonstop after that. Plus I got COVID at MAU, not to mention that. So it's been a lot going on, but really, really great to be here. There was a lot of COVID that came out of that. So I hope everyone's safe and okay. I haven't heard any bad stories yet, but yeah, it sounds like you were one of the unlucky bunch. You had been to the conference before this, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. So just, uh, I completely agree with what you just said in the intro. It's an amazing conference. Yeah, we had a good time and I was so happy I got to meet your team over at Metricworks. How many folks are at your company now? So we're a small company. We're a little over a dozen now. We're hiring pretty quickly. Starting just a quarter ago, we're hiring an APAC at the moment, especially, but kind of all over the world. We have some open positions, but yeah, it's been a pretty crazy year, honestly, in terms of growth and just changes. That's awesome. I have so many questions to ask you about Metricworks and about what it's like there now. Before I do that, actually, though, probably best to round you out because you're a CEO. CEOs don't get to be CEO overnight. So you've obviously been at, I'd imagine, organizations before Metricworks. So take me through your journey and how you arrived to where you are. Yeah. So Definitely not my first foray. I'm a bit of a serial entrepreneur. Started a long time ago when I was like in my 20s, just to give a very short life background. This is actually the first time I've talked about this on like a work type podcast, but I was homeless when I was 15. So I had a strange upbringing, always had sort of an entrepreneur spirit, if you will. Got me in trouble in my teens, spent a lot of time in juvenile lockup, adult lockup, and then changed the type of business I was running and really been founding tech startups since then. So probably about 20 years. That's awesome. I first and foremost, am sorry that you had to go through that. I'm sure so much of that shaped who you are today in a positive way, even though at the time it was probably a really, really trying experience. So I am sorry that you went through that, but that's incredible. Congrats on an awesome life. Yeah, it's definitely a lot of luck involved there, but you're exactly right. No doubt about it. It's given me perspective that I think is pretty unique and I definitely value that. Yeah. This is the first time that I've ever heard this on our podcast and it's so unique and awesome. So that's really cool, Ryan. What do you think drives your entrepreneurial spirit? You could have gone from where you are to saying, I just need a job and 
taken anything. What is it that really drives you to want to build businesses? I like the creativity involved in building a company. I've always been a very ambitious person, well beyond my means or skill. So it's kind of a natural thing as well. But yeah, I've just always been interested in how do you build something that people want. When I was really little in middle school, I was buying people's or kids' projects. And as they would rotate out of a class like Woodshop, I'd buy their project and then sell it to the next kids that are rotating into the class. And I had like catalogs that were hand-drawn and I know what grade everything got because it just got graded. So the A's went for more than the B's and C's. It created this black market where kids were actually robbing other kids for their projects and selling them to me. So I had to shut it down. The heat was getting a little too hot, but that was my first business and I've been doing it ever since. Oh my God. That's wild. It's almost too good to be true. And then little kids just ruined the whole thing. It's a strong lesson though. The laws of unintended consequences, like they're going to come and they're going to smack you in the face no matter what you do. (laughs) Man, that's awesome. Oh my God. What a cool business. The most I did when I was young, I would write papers for people for money, but I would not catalog it. And I wouldn't charge them more for writing a better paper. I would always just try to write a good paper. And sometimes the papers were good and people would be pretty pissed at me. (laughs) That's a huge journey then from, I'm not sure what you call that business, but black market reselling of woodwork projects for middle school students, something like that to the ad tech space. Now tell me, why did you get into ad tech in particular? Because you've obviously spent a fair amount of time in this industry. So is there anything in particular that attracted to it, you to it? Or did you just land in Yeah, so I've been in this space now for about 10 years. And my first foray, I started in mobile ad tech specifically. Didn't come over from desktop like a lot of people did that have been in the space forever. It was really triggered by one person, John Gagnon. You may know a lot of people that are your listeners probably know. Kind of an industry stalwart, in my opinion. He's now running sales for me. I'm just so lucky to have that guy. But he basically explain some of the industry to me and it seemed interesting and I'm very attracted to interesting, difficult problems. And it checked all my boxes, opportunity size, interesting, difficult problem. And there was definitely some clear space in there. You and me both started at the same time then. I was 2012, 2013, started at a company called JumpTap, which was one of the earlier DSPs in the space, bought by Millennial Media and all these other companies. So It was a little bit easier and more fun back then in some ways. It's just like anything goes. I miss those days. Now it's privacy. It's like we've gone the polar opposite now of what we used to be. So tell me metric work story though, because y'all haven't, from my understanding, and obviously I spoke to you about MAU for a minute about this, but y'all have not always been in the measurement space. So tell us about where this business came from and then what it provides today. Yeah. So we started off as a company called Tap Heaven. And in the early days there, right around the same times, it sounds like you were starting off in this industry and we were a mobile DSP that was fully focused on performance. So we had a bunch of algorithms and models that were predicting LTV more or less to accurately bid based on value, a value optimized campaign, essentially, which was a really new thing in the mobile DSP area back then. And it was pretty much set up for gaming. Basically, you send us postbacks, just like everything works right. But we were trying to do it in RTB. We found out quickly that there was so much fraud 
that our models were assigning value or predicting value incorrectly. And we faced a choice. Do we figure out the fraud thing? Because if you figure out the fraud thing, you have a whole new product on your hands, right? So this is literally, do we build a brand new product to enable this product or do we, we attempt to pivot? And we decided to pivot and just use that LTV model in a slightly different way in order to be an LTV prediction company, basically a cross-channel LTV prediction company, rather than kind of listening to that bid stream and bidding or any of that. We just predict LTV and then we help you set bids on any platform based on LTV predictions. So we're doing this sort of UA automation for a while. And then our solution was in danger of getting clobbered like so many solutions out there when the news about iOS 14 cropped up a couple of years ago now. And we decided to shift a bunch of our resources to taking a look at how we could solve this problem for ourselves. So our LTV model still worked. And we ended up just realizing that after talking with a bunch of people in the industry, existing clients, this was where the opportunity actually was. So we spent the better part of a year doing the research. In my opinion, we were the only company that could make that wild bet like that, put like a bunch of already ready to go data science resources onto a completely spe speculative project. And we just happened to be in a situation where we could make that bet. That bet ended up paying off. And in the end, not six months later, we had a beta product and during the closed beta that we realized based on the traction already that this was where all of our focus should be. And what is the this then? Where is all your focus now? I know, but for people who aren't familiar. So we're a measurement solution at this point, almost fully, and a very specifically an incrementality measurement solution that's completely future-proof, we like to say, meaning that it only uses aggregated data. So these data points that are required for the modeling we do to measure incrementality will never be disrupted by any sort of privacy enhancement released by any platform. And the technique that we use, for the most part, we pair two techniques, but for the most part, we use MMM or media mix modeling, sometimes called marketing mix modeling to measure mentality, along with geo-lift experiments in order to both validate models, but probably more importantly, calibrate them, make them more and more accurate over time. Okay. So if I were to put it in the most lay terms possible, third-party attribution or incrementality studies? Yes. But we usually steer clear of the attribution term. Attribution. As I said it, I was like, that's not right. These aren't the same things. Yeah, no. A third-party solution to measure incremental lift. That's it. We usually replace attribution with measurement and then, yeah, that's it. That's a lot of pivoting. How was that along the way? Did you ever run out of steam and just at any point were you just like, fuck this, this is just too much pivoting or this is too much or was it always exciting for you, those opportunities to move somewhere else? I would say always exciting, but one thing I think any serial entrepreneur already has by definition to do this more than once is a almost ridiculous or absurd sense of optimism. Because if you were just doing this based on the numbers, your chances are so slim that you wouldn't attempt it. So that's one of my limited set of gifts is I just keep rolling. Good. No, I mean, it sounds like you needed it through all of this. And obviously y'all 
are coming out on the other side in a pretty good way. This is a big thing to be able to bring to market, right? Because you and I have both been in the space 10 years and the measurement in and of itself has always been a hot topic, however you slice it. At one point early on, it may have been, how do we leverage VTA? Do we leverage it at all? Then it was, how do we enable multi-touch attribution? Anyone who knows me knows that I think multi-touch attribution is a crock of shit. And I don't think it's ever been actually done. And I don't think it's useful, even if it were done. And then obviously over the last three, maybe four years, the subject of incremental lift has become a hotter topic. And I think that somewhat coincided with the rise in retargeting solutions, which it was rather easy for a retargeting solution to execute organic cannibalization or to steal attribution from other providers. But it really seemed, in my opinion, to shed a light on the bigger problem, which was last touch attribution in and of itself as useful as it is in the sense of it's easy to execute. You can get up and running and measure with some degree of confidence overnight or in 10 minutes, whatever you want to call it. It's still creates a really, really misalignment of incentives, right? Where vendors are incentivized to engage as many people as possible to get as many attributions as possible, as opposed to actually trying to drive value. It sounds like this is the problem that you're trying to focus on, but how have you seen the evolution of incrementality measurement? Do you share a similar kind of perspective there? Do you think this is something that advertisers have been vying for more and more over the last few years? Or do you think that iOS 14 was really what's maybe driving more recently, like this push towards incremental measurement? It's definitely a little bit of both, for sure. We were talking with some of the biggest gaming companies in mobile years ago, like you said, three, four years ago, about incrementality measurement. As they're looking at our product, and we're optimizing campaigns for them. And it's like, okay, this is great that you're basically automating the mundane task of bid optimization that we would normally do. But I have a question here. What if there's audience overlap? Are these sources that you're predicting LTV for, is this incremental LTV? And back then it was even new to me, like it was brand new and we're trying to figure this out. And it's like, you ask really good questions. Honestly, I can't tell you whether or not our LTV predictions are predicting true value in terms of LTV, or it's just some conjured thing that's coming from an MMP. And really, now that we have the data, we understand it's the latter. It's almost completely random with some pretty specific biases, which are almost even worse than complete randomality. But there is also no doubt about it, this catalyst, which as you mentioned, is iOS 14, more privacy changes coming from Google and the Android side as well, legislation, so many different angles this thing is taking now. But while over the maybe a year or two max before that announcement, there was some interest, it is absolutely skyrocketing. So we still have people coming to us like, hey, we need to measure incrementality. But I would say maybe 70% now of customers that are coming to us out of the blue are more in a panic than anything. Like, hey, we've now figured out SKAD network. We've done what we have to do. Our VO campaigns across major platforms are still going to be running on SCAD network. It's not like we can completely ditch it. But now that we have it in a decent spot, we have to start figuring out how we're going to get visibility into, especially certain platforms where we just have no visibility now. Yeah, I have a question about visibility that I'm going to ask you in a second. I'm going to ask you more about how the functionality of metric works in general. But tell me if I'm kind of right in this. Would it be safe to say that 
because marketers on SKI network are potentially losing a lot of attribution from some sources that that's a catalyst. And maybe one of the biggest challenges with incrementality measurement is a, there's no standard form of it, right? Like you can come to any DSP or any vendor and they all have some skew on basically one of three techniques, PSA, tend to treat and ghost as or ghost pids, whatever you want to call it. Right. But there's not standardization. And without the standardization, it's doubly hard because it's hard to actually do and it's hard to measure, right? It requires some work of data analysis. So would you say that two huge components here are loss of signal as related to iOS 14, as well as ease of use that position you guys really well to make a huge difference here? Yeah, definitely. There's so many forces that combine to make this the time for metric works or just incrementality measurement, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. The loss of the signal, I would say probably the biggest right now, maybe at least in our kind of probably biased view, one company's view, maybe 70% of the pie there is described by that bucket. There's also definitely though, a, a couple of things for sure. When you lose signal, in some cases, you don't have any visibility at all. There's also implications to like the strategic level where now suddenly Facebook looks absolutely horrible. And we're seeing that all over the place. This other channel, that other channel where all the budget is look totally horrible now. Or do we just pull back all the budget? Well, some of our clients have tried that before they came to us. And well, we're clearly losing performance. It, these things are not horrible. So what do we do here? So there's far reaching implications just in that one bucket, honestly. And then definitely when you're looking at incrementality measurement, it is a complex topic. There are so many different ways to do it. And incrementality testing, what we've normally called what you described, three different ways of doing it, which you nailed, that's essentially impossible now. So not only is it not standardized, but it's also impossible in iOS. You have to have this preloaded set of device IDs and a pretty significant amount of them. And with that opt-in necessity, they have to be opted in in so many different apps for you to actually discover them. So it just hammered everybody's ability to do that. Now there's really one way to do it, which is ghost bids or ghost ads. The problem with that, even when you have the device ID somehow, is that, and ghost ads is really nice because you're dealing with the noise of ITT. There's a noise problem there, but you're also dealing with the cost issues of PSAs, right? You don't want to be placing ads that do nothing for you and paying for those. So ghost bidding is just a magical solution. And not only is it really hurt by losing the device IDs, but as a marketer, you're finding yourself trusting the vendor. The vendor is necessary to do ghost bidding or ghost ads. So it's this confluence of issues that all cropped up. And the way to do it, in my opinion, is MMM. It solves so many of those issues. It's complex, but it's simple in basic understanding, a fundamental understanding of it, and completely privacy compatible, doesn't require any device level data, and there's no need to get rid of incrementality testing. You have to go to a geo level, which is what we do, but you can still use those signals to calibrate the MMM over time, which is probably MMM's biggest weakness, not having some truth to ground it. So then let's talk about the process with metric works in particular. So let's say I'm a game studio, right? I have users in multiple geos and I want to get started with an incrementality or lift study with you all for, I think is a better way to put it. What does that look like? What am I doing 
in the first few weeks? What am I doing midway through? And then what is the end result? What am I looking at at the end of all of this? Yeah, great question. I can start with the end because it informs basically everything else. What you're looking at is basically a web-based dashboard that looks almost exactly like what an MMP is giving you right now. And we did that for a very specific reason because all of our customers are already using an MMP or they've essentially rolled their own the biggest, just have some internal system that's doing their last touch tracking. But regardless, they know exactly what an MMP is and they're already using it or have rolled their own. So with that, we're populating this dashboard with the same KPIs you're already using right now, coming from a last such MMP, including retention, cohorted revenue, ROAS, install volume, of course, all your main KPIs in terms of performance, those are all there. They look the exact same as your MMP. It's just that the numbers are different. And we're simply populating those numbers, not based on whatever happens to get the last click, but based on an MMM. Kind of working my way backwards. It's usually the easiest way to explain it. The way that you start and you arrive at that MMM, which those metrics are derived from, is just by giving us two sets of data, performance data at the country level. So you're looking at country level aggregates, aggregate on a daily basis, which those are just data points that you don't even need an MMP for. Country level aggregates, you just have a certain number of installs every day in the US, a certain amount of revenue every day in the US. Last touch doesn't even come into that picture. And then you have your marketing. So that's everything from what your MMP may be collecting for you, or maybe a cost aggregator like Singular may be collecting for you, like your spend and impressions on a daily basis across your various channels, campaigns, even sub campaigns, ad groups, ad sets, whatever, but also your organic stuff. If you're doing organic social media, maybe your engagements on your organic posts, maybe you're doing promotions, you're doing so many different things, big content pushes. All that data also goes into the model. And the model is just taking all that from the simplest use cases. We can grab all that directly from the MMP with an API key. People are started in like an hour or less even. Others, they have a pretty complex set of data they're using. They're running on TV. They're running on influencer stuff that doesn't actually make it into their cost aggregator or MMP. So they're gathering that data and exporting it to us. But in any case, once we have that data, we automatically train a bunch of MMMs, media mix models. They output this incrementality data. And we also pull in the last touch data optionally. We don't use it in our modeling, but that allows you to see this screen that looks just like an MMP, but you got two data points for every KPI. So you have D7 revenue x thousand dollars which is the number coming from the mmp but two thousand coming from the mmm which will be incremental d7 revenue you can literally compare them side by side because they're the same kpi just measured differently so if i'm a studio and i want to test a new channel just to say dspa whatever let me guess the process and you tell me if i'm wrong right actually no i don't want to because all i know so far is that you would create a baseline from GOB UK and use that to establish what consumer behavior looks like. And then when they run in GOA, the USA, maybe you compare it to that. Can you actually explain it to me? Because I'm sounding dumber as I go along. <laughs> no, you pretty much nailed the GeoLift experiment. So what I've been talking about right now is an MMM. This happens before you even run your first lift study, right? You already have this huge data set that looks just like your MMP across all the same KPIs as your MMP. But those fields, those columns in the pivot table, if you will, 
are populated by an MMM measuring incrementality rather than by an MMP measuring last touch. So this is before you run a single lift study, you already have all this incrementality data and it takes less than 24 hours to get it. And it's pretty amazing. And you're already right there looking like side by side, like, whoa, Facebook, I had a hunch, but Facebook is not my worst channel, which is what SKI Network is telling me. The ROAS is 25% or whatever, 15%, something closer to what I saw pre iOS 14 or maybe even higher, or maybe a little lower, whatever it is, but you're comparing them side by side, you're already getting tons of insights. Some of our customers are already making budget changes, bid changes based on that data. Uh, the, the great thing is it's all in the same form factor as your MMP. So your process doesn't even change. Your day-to-day -day UA process just stays the same. You're just using MMM-derived incrementality KPIs instead of last touch KPIs. You're switching the input to the process rather than the process. That said, a lot of times, the question is, how do I trust this data? You're telling me that Facebook's D7 ROAS is 20%. SKI Network's telling me it's 2%. I don't believe SKI Network, but do I believe you? Why should I? That is where, and I wouldn't recommend my solution or any other MMM solution, even if it's done in-house, without ground truth incrementality testing added onto it as a pair. And that's where what you're talking about comes into play, where we validate the model, but honestly, more importantly, calibrate the model, make it become more accurate by simply establishing ground truth. The way we establish ground truth is a type of geolift experiment rather than needing device IDs. It's usually not one country, but a set of countries and a weighted average that look really similar to the country you're interested in. And then we build that weighted average of those countries. So in that set of weights, they look almost perfectly like the country in question that you want to test incrementality in. We turn off some traffic in that country. Let's say it's the UK. We turn off Facebook in the UK, turn off Remerge in the UK, whatever it is. At the country level, again, we'll always have access to country level aggregate performance, right? Doesn't even require last touch. It's just true. So at the country level, we turn something off. You expect the country level KPIs to decline and the amount they decline below the baseline set or the expectations set by that weighted average of other countries is what we assign to whatever was turned off. Okay. That totally makes sense. It's super cool. With the KPIs that someone would see, the way that MMP KPIs are presented to someone is as just numbers, right? You have a $4 CPI. In many cases, and maybe I, I'm wrong here, but when you're measuring lift or trying to establish lift, there's the topic of statistical significance that comes into play. My question to you in all of this is, do you use some sort of Bayesian modeling or something along those lines to provide confidence intervals of probability of an effect? You're being pretty humble here all along, but it seems like you're actually a ringer for this modeling stuff. Yeah, no, exactly. We're using the Bayesian model. Our medium X models are Bayesian in nature. One of the great things there is that they allow us to get really nice confidence intervals. It's not some BS, right? Like these are decent confidence intervals that are reasonably trustworthy. We automatically by default output a 95% confidence interval. So unlike last touch, which is your CPI is $4, we promise we're sure. We're actually saying, look, we think it's $3, but your incremental CPI is $3, but we're 95% certain it's between 2 and $4. Or maybe we've run like a lift test there and we know for a fact it's $3. We're 95% confident it's between $2.99 and $3.01. So you can tell by the size of that confidence interval how sure the model is and maybe where you need to run a lift test to get more certainty. Totally makes sense. 
Let me ask you, and this might be a question that you didn't want to get asked, but I'm going to ask it anyways. The Ground Truth study is applicable, obviously, in the gaming space where games, they're not endemic to a specific country or a specific region, right? You can download most games just about anywhere, more or less. There are apps, however, that are only in, say, the U.S. Do you have a solution for them? Obviously, you have the MediaMix modeling that you provide, but it sounds like there might not be yet the opportunity to calibrate because they couldn't compare maybe different countries. Is that accurate? So what we do is you hit on a great point. You're right. You do need to create that weighted set of other countries. You need other countries to provide some sort of baseline or expectation, which should happen in this country we care about incrementality in were we never to have stopped that traffic, we need to know what would have happened. With no other countries, you're only running your app in the US, let's say, for sure, we don't have any other country to create a baseline. That said, there's two solutions to this. One, what we do, we try anyway, and we try to build a, just a regular old time series model with no other helping features. We don't have any other countries to help that may be similar or correlated with this country, but a time series model can take into account history and try to predict what would happen. And if you have reasonably steady history of performance, you might get something that is, it matches closely. If you don't though, there is, you're kind of dead in the water in terms of just our form of synthetically controlled geolift experiments. There is another option. And you're going back now to the lift tests, usually using ghost bidding run by vendors. And when vendors are able to run their own lift tests, what we've been doing with these vendors is creating partnerships where we find some common ground in terms of mutual clients and we run some lift tests, each in our own methodologies. And if your lift test results match up with our lift test results in a contemporaneous period, like a very close period time-wise, we can say that, okay, we trust the way that you run your lift tests and we'll periodically check over time. It's just not a one-time thing. And if we trust you though, you're certified and we'll accept your lift test results as truth to help validate and calibrate our MMMs as if they were ours. I'm going to ask you another question and it's more curiosity thing. If I'm in the U.S. only, what would be, and maybe it's something that you guys are thinking of or building in the future. Maybe it's not though. It's a good question to think either way. If I'm a really, really big app in the U.S., right? Think one of the larger apps that you can think of in the U.S. Why not state? Because the U.S., you could think about it as just a bunch of different countries. If you're, and the states are analogous to countries if your app is maybe big enough. Is that not an option yet? Or is that maybe one day going to be an option? We've actually done that elsewhere. We have a partnership, a, a very close one with meta already and it's been going on for a while now where they have some need in some geos india as an example where there are a bunch of huge app companies but they only focus on india that said you break into you down into in the states very similar to the us and every platform every traffic type every channel that they run on can also break their spend impressions down and target based on that more granular geo level, then it's doable. But let's say you're running on one channel in the US, you're a US only company, and you're running on one channel that does state level targeting, and they can give you your spend impression data at the state level. Great. But then you're also running on, I don't know, 
something else, another channel that can't do that breakdown by the state level. You run into an issue where MMM doesn't work anymore there because the breakdowns have to be consistently at the same level of granularity geo-wise for an MMM to say, okay, this is what Pennsylvania looks like. It has this much state-level performance. You should usually always know that because in your own app, you just probably know that these IPs or whatever it is, these users are in these states. Sometimes you don't even know that though. And if you can't even measure your performance at the state level, then you're already dead in the water for MMM. But if you can do that, but you can't get your marketing, spending impressions at level of granularity consistently, you still don't have what you need. Super interesting. And thanks so much for breaking that down. That was awesome. It's really, really cool. And I can't, I think it's truly amazing that you can get media mix modeling in 24 hours, like you had mentioned, if you were to integrate with metric words, it's really super, super cool. I have really one more question for you, because I've asked you a lot about, hey, what's the experience for an advertiser that's coming or a brand that, that wants to start measuring Lyft? In your experience, what vendors or platforms or channels stand to gain the most in all of this? Or maybe what have you seen in terms, if you have seen any trends, right? You mentioned, for example, partners come to you and say, Facebook suddenly looks horrible, but we know it's not horrible. We ran a live study and it, sure enough, and it's not horrible. Have you found other channels that maybe historically or recently seem undervalued, but as you run these studies, you find that they're actually quite the opposite. They're quite valuable. Definitely. There are companies like Meta with Deep Pockets that are getting absolutely clobbered by iOS 14, by ATT, by SKI Network, and they are investing a ton into pushing their biggest advertisers, the biggest marketers into some form of incrementality measurement. And they stand to gain obvious value from that, which is why they're doing it, because they understand that in many cases, maybe not all, and I can say definitely not all, they're probably being undervalued. There is a ton like that for sure. And they're mostly congregated at top. The biggest gaps that we're seeing where in terms of being undervalued, I have one thing in common. Last Touch just has trouble measuring them at all. So hit and miss just based on how Last Touch attribution works based on that click. Got to have that matching either fingerprint or device ID. So you're looking at things like TV. You're looking at things like connected TV, which does have some Last Touch attribution sometimes, but unlike TV, but it's very hit and miss. You're looking at some surprising things like messaging. Last Touch attribution tends to just function really, really poorly in messaging apps that serve ads and rounding out like the top five native, massively undervalued. A ton of it is on the mobile web. So that web to app connection for last attribution is just notoriously bad. So native is a big one and influencer for sure. It, just to throw a, a, a little bit of getting into that top six, that six slot actually in our data is RTB by the way. It seems to be quite undervalued. There's still a decent amount of mobile web traffic there as well, even though it's pretty heavily in-app and video and whatnot these days. But yeah, that seems to be quite heavily undervalued as well. I would guess that search is the most overvalued. You nailed it. Yeah, that seems pretty clear, I guess, to maybe some people. Yeah, so definitely the most overvalued by a good margin. Actually, 43% is the difference that we see when you take last touch attribution and then move to incrementality measurement using MMM. It's a 43% decline, specifically though, in D7 revenue. That's how these benchmarks were done on our side. But yeah, when you're looking at D7 revenue, 
I mean, obviously 47% is just ridiculous in terms of a performance drop from one measurement solution to a different one. And honestly, I like to caution people. That's not a wholesale suggestion to just stop your search, but Based on how people are using search, and it's a little bit biased because it's just our customers, of course, and that's very concentrated in that top 100, top growers type category. But based on our customers, sort of these larger advertisers, the way they're using search tends to be pretty cannibalizing of organic demand. Changing, tweaking the way you're using search, though, we've seen can increase incrementality and sometimes Incrementality doesn't matter on certain types of defensive campaigns where you're just defending keywords. Yeah, yeah, no, it's true. Each channel has their own inherent value. It's really just a matter of ascertaining what is that value for my brand. And it could be that you're a brand where search is absolutely fantastic incrementally, everything, and you got to just hammer it. And you could be the on the opposite side of the spectrum. But ultimately, Metricworks will help you uncover those evaluations of each of your channels, give you a clearer sense of where you're finding efficacy across all your partners. And it sounds like you guys are making it easy for your partners. So it's really cool, Brian. I'm really stoked to see how you guys continue to progress over over the next bunch of years. Really appreciate it. Yeah, I know it's, it's been a wild ride. There's been so many just external market forces that have been lifting our product up. So we hit the timing part, but it has been a super fun ride. Just for me, being able to share these insights with people and it's like, wait, this was not performing very well. And then honestly, the more satisfying part is when it's like, yeah, well, let's show you how we prove that. And in this geo, you've begun using incrementality data instead of last touch data with no other changes to your UA process. And based on similar countries, this country had a 25% increase in terms of ROAS above the baseline. Just showing people like, look, this is your media inefficiencies are costing you. And here's just absolutely hard data to show you how mentality is affecting you. It's awesome, man. It's really, really cool. Brian, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. We'd love to have you back on at some point and get a market update on what the status of incremental measurement is in this space, especially as more changes come to iOS and more changes come to Android in the future. So we'll have to set that up. Absolutely. It's been great. Thanks for taking a break with us and listening to our weekly episode of Activate by Remerge. If you enjoyed what you heard, leave us a five-star review on iTunes and tell your friends about the podcast. The more people you tell, the further we can spread these awesome mobile marketing insights. See you next week.